Great team. I want to talk to you about a great team. I want to talk to you about a great church. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2 this morning? Acts chapter 2, hope and pray you have a sermon study guide. If you don't have one, maybe you're a choir member, did not receive one, make sure you raise your hand and the ushers will expeditiously get you one. What's a great church? The best way to answer that question is to agree what a great church is not. A great church, would you agree with me, is not some prestigious address on the right side of town and some ostentatious facility or building. A great church is not some country club setting that uh, only allows the the rich, the famous, the blue bloods uh, of society to belong to it. A great church is not definitely some performing arts center, some entertainment center where the pastor uses gimmicks to get people to come to church. That's not a great church. The Bible gives us the portrait of a great church. In Acts chapter 2, we are able to have insight into God's ideas of what a great church is all about. Read with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If a church is not involved in allowing people to find forgiveness of their sins, it is not a church. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to note something in verse 39. This message is not about this. But for all of those that want to relegate miracles and the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first century, uh, verse 39 is against that proposition. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Hallelujah. Miracles, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is right up to date. For all of those whom our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You think times are bad today. There's always been opposition. Always been corruption. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Where the Spirit of God is, There's a spirit of generosity. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here we find God's idea of a great church. A key word that I want you to circle on your sermon study guide. A key word is right there if you would look in verse 44. A key word, we find it throughout the book of Acts. The word together. The word together. We see it over and over in the book of Acts describing the word word church or the term or the idea of the church together. Rather than an independent focus, these early believers had the sense 
of being a part of God's team. They were together. That's why I've named this message Team Lakeside. Let's pray. Father, grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Lord, we desperately need a word from you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Would you fill in the blank with me if you're following along? A great church is a praising church. A praising church. We see it right there in verse 47. They were praising God. Today, when you see guys and gals out on the volleyball court, one of the first things that you'll hear them saying or, or doing is they'll all get in a huddle or they'll all put their, their hands together and, and you'll, you'll hear them, Go, team, go! Come on, guys, let's do it. Let's win the game. Come on, let's put her all into it. Come on, let, let's get it on. They're cheering. They're cheering. Praise and worship is not cheering one another. Praise and worship is cheering the one that loved us the best. Cheering in, in, in church is cheering the captain of our salvation. Cheering in the church when it's praise and worship is cheering Him who is our mighty God, the lover of our soul. Our mighty God who will not and cannot change. When we cheer in church, it is not to cheer some human personality, some charismatic uh, uh, figure. When we praise, when we worship in church, it is to lift up holy hands, to lift up holy upturned faces towards heaven and recognize and ascribe majesty and honor and glory and power and blessing and victory to He who's on the throne, He who cannot fail us, or forsake us. God's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. Amen? Amen. Praise. Think of it. Praise will take the darkness uh, out of your gloom. Glory to God. Praise will take your, your, your fear and turn it into faith. Praise will get your focus off your problems and onto your problem solver, our mighty God. Praise will bring a binding upon satanic forces and demonic princes. Praise will shatter the chains that seem to fetter you. Praise, hallelujah, will turn your prayer chamber into a mighty cathedral of worship and praise. Praise, hallelujah, will usher you into the very throne room of God and you'll be able to sing with the angels and sing what they sing and when you sing what the angels sing you begin to see what the angels see our God who will not and cannot fail us glory to God praise praise you were created for praise the real you is what's not going to break down on the volleyball field today. Uh, at this age and stage in life, I, I have all kinds of zeal for what I'm about to do out here in the volleyball court, but I dread on what I'm, I'm going to feel after the day is done. Uh, I mean, what doesn't work just doesn't hurt any longer. <laughs> My mind, my mind makes commitments that my body can no longer keep. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. The real you is not what I see on the outside, this stuff. The real you is spirit. Your true essence, the very real you is spirit. Your spirit woman, your spirit man was created to know God, 
to enjoy God. The Spirit you, your main purpose, your main purpose is to give Him glory. To give Him praise and honor and blessing. You were created for this purpose. When you go against your programming, when you go against your wiring, when you go against your intended created purpose, you will find frustration, emptiness, loss of satisfaction, loss of meaning in life. Why do people drink up, shoot up, and snort up? To find fulfillment, satisfaction, to be happy. It's the right desire. The wrong, wrong, destructive methodology. You have a desire for fulfillment, for oneness with the Creator. You find this through praise, through worship. The psalmist said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you're not praising the Lord, then you don't have breath. You're dead. You might look alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. So I say it again. Let everything have breath. Do what? Praise the Lord. Amen. Secondly, a great church. We're talking about a great church this morning. A great church is where God's people hunger for, trust, and obey God's Word. God's Word. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' what? Teaching. What were the apostles teaching? God's Word. There it is. Beautiful, Mike. God's Word. God's Word. Why has He given us His Word? You show me a ship without a tiny rudder. You got it. That's where I'm going, so let me preach it. <laughs> you show me a ship with a, without a tiny rudder. You show me a compass without a tiny needle. You show me a conductor without a stick. <laughs> or an orchestra without a conductor. What do you have? You show me a volleyball team without a team captain. What do you have? You have chaos. You have what our generation is experiencing right now. What our generation is experiencing right now. We, honey, sir, ma'am, we are on the very threshold. Yay, we're already there. Of terrible chaos and confusion. Gender bending to the extreme. My wife, is it the census that we just got? She, she says, Phil, Phil, look. Look, for the first time. Are you single? Are you married? Same-sex marriage? Are you, uh, I don't know what's on there. He, she, it. I don't know what box you. I Crazy stuff. The White House is so proud. The White House is now displaying and demonstrating the first transgender White House staffer. And they're so proud of that great... I looked at the picture... And I couldn't tell what it was trying to be or what it had been. Or what it was going. I, I didn't know what direction it was coming from or what direction it was going. I, and I hate to use the word it, but I honestly didn't know what I was looking at. Harvard professors this year, 
Harvard professors, this great school that was ordained to train ministers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how Harvard and the Ivy League schools originated, to train ministers. All of the Ivy League, Ivy League schools today, all the students this fall registered as he, she, or, and then, oh, the other. Oh, I, I, I don't even have it memorized. I have to read it to you. They could, they could check the box of Z-E, S-I-E, E, O-U, U, and, and V-E, V-E. These are all LGBT, mainly transgender now terms because the professor is liable when he or she is teaching a class and refers to a student. He or she, the professor, has to be careful that he does not, she does not say he, she, if the student has registered as a se or ve or vi or it. We... we why does God give us moral law, spiritual law? He gives it for direction. He gives it for clarity. He gives it for order. When you open up life to whatever feels good, do it and believe it. You're opening up to chaos and confusion. Our team captain, our team captain has given us direction. Our team captain has given us his commandments. The Bible says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I counsel so many that say, oh, I just love Jesus, Pastor, but I love Jesus. I said, why do you keep doing that sin then? Why do you keep cheating on your wife? But I love Jesus. I said, no, you don't. Jesus said, if you'll love me, you'll obey me. You see what I'm saying? Our team captain, Jesus, has given us his word, his instructions. He's given us direction. You show me a team today out there in the volleyball court that doesn't know what they're doing because they haven't been given direction. They're not positioned properly. They haven't been given the right strategy of setting up the ball and spiking the ball. They're going to lose. They're going down. The church needs direction. Team Lakeside's got a captain. Who is that captain? You're not looking at him right now. It's Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful when it gets overwhelming here, as it did this week. And the building committee knows what I'm talking about. When it gets overwhelming, that I can give it over to my team captain of Lakeside the captain of his church, the captain who said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's so many times in prayer that I said, Lord, I can't handle it any longer. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how. To. He said, since when is it your church? Well, that's right. He spoke to me, he said, the battle is mine. It's not yours. The battle is mine. Stand still and see my salvation. And that's what we saw this week. We saw things just turn around. I'll share it on the walk of faith. 
How God has given us the direction. God has turned things around for us. God is building his church. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful I don't have to trust in a human captain. That I have a heavenly captain. And he has given me his word. I have his guidelines. I have his instructions. I have his strategy. I have his method. His tactics here. In a world gone crazy. This fall your kids are going to be taught in public school that for instance, that the world evolved from uh, the primordial soup, uh, that animate uh, uh, living cells that somehow sprung from inanimate material, and this squiggly thing crawled out of a, a mud puddle one day and decided to uh, eat bananas up in a tree, and then one day came down and decided to walk upright on two feet, and we're our monkey's uncle. In a world of confusion, I'm so glad that my team captain has given his instructions. His word says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Let us make man in our image. Our world says, well, everybody is basically good. That's what secular humanism says. His word says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The world says, don't worry, there's no final judgment. There's no hell. His word says, if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. The world says, well, heaven's not a real place. It's merely a state of mind. His word says, let not your heart be troubled in my Father house are many mansions I'm going to prepare a place for you if it were not so I would have told you the world says we can do nothing about the future que sera sera what will be will be what does his word say you must be born again you may know that you have eternal life for the blood bought born again <laughs> Bible believing soldier of the cross we can know that we know that we know as we walk and talk with Jesus it just gets sweeter every day hallelujah and one day the heavens will open up and he will descend from heaven with a shout <laughs> with the voice of the archangel the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be with with him forevermore. What am I telling you this morning? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The world says you die like a dog, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, oblivion. But for the believer, we can know that we can know the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am so glad that my team captain has given me his word. His word. Write it down, a great church is bound together by a single purpose. Love. 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 Can you imagine? I get out there with my team today, and uh, we get in position. I get the ball. I say, hey, guys, everybody ready to play now? And the guys, instead of getting in position, getting ready to set up the ball, receive the ball, hit the ball. They decide to do a little song and dance. There's no business like show business. And I look and I've got these men singing and dancing. They've lost their purpose. They don't know what they're out there for. They think they're out there for a Broadway production. They're out there to play volleyball. They're out there to, to win a game. 
I'm just trying to balance this ball on this table here, and it's driving me crazy. Stay put. Okay. What's our purpose? What's our number one purpose as a church? If you were to boil it down to one word, Jesus was posed this question one day. There were 623 rabbinical laws in the tradition of Judaism. And Jesus was confronted one day to boil it all down to one commandment. I'm asking you for one word. What was it? Mark chapter 12, verse 30. What's our single purpose? And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Oh, you can sum it up. What's the church's mission? What's the church's purpose? It's all about love. Loving God. Loving one another. Loving a lost world. And loving ourselves. There it is. Our generation, think of it. We've got PCs. We've got laptops. We've got smartphones. We've got iPads. We've got iPods. What do we use them for? To surf the net, to email, to instant message, to Twitter, to do Facebook, to do FaceTime, and text people that are just five feet away. I've got people that have an office next to mine that text me instead of knocking on my door and talking to me face to face. Sure. Yeah. We've got all of those gizmos. And sometimes we even make a real phone call. We're touted as being the most connected generation in all world history. Yet I submit to you that we're the most disconnected. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the fellowship. What is that word fellowship? What is fellowship? What does church fellowship say? What's the first picture that comes to your mind when you hear church fellowship? We're going to have a church fellowship. <laughs> That's why Christians have a hard time losing weight. <laughs> Potluck supper. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not, that's, that's not the meaning here of fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. The Greek word koinonia literally means spiritual oneness. Common bond. Spiritual intimacy. Spiritual caring and sharing and bearing with one another. Oneness. What has made us one? Not our constitution. What has made us one? Not because we're a club. It's not a charter. It's not a, a, a policy statement. What has made us one? Just because we like one another, we like hanging out with one another, there is something supernatural and miraculous that has brought us together. We are bonded together. We enjoy one another. We walk with one another in fellowship, spiritual oneness because of God the Holy Spirit. The church is a miracle happening. It is not the stuff of human imagination or manufacturing whatsoever. It is not fabricated by policy or program. The church is a product of He, the third person of the Holy Trinity, God the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The church was birthed a dynamic uh, fellowship, not an organization, but a living, living organism for the glory of God. That's why we are called the body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. 
The early church didn't grow dramatically because of a slick marketing advertising campaign. It grew because it had contagious love for one another. The world began to see the church people caring and sharing and helping one another. It was dramatic. It was miraculous. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Write it down. God's Word reveals a great church enjoys tremendous unity. Unity. Verse 32 and verse 44. All the believers were one in heart and mind. All the believers were together and had everything in common. What's going to happen today if we've got one guy on the team that all he wants to do is uh, hog the ball and spike it? Huh? What's, what's going to happen today if we got uh, a guy on the team that doesn't want to set it up, but he wants to hit it from the back row over the net immediately without uh, uh, bouncing the ball uh, uh, at least two or three times before we put it over the net? What, what's going to happen if, if we got one part of the team that believes that this is just for fellowship time, fun time, song and dance time, and the other half of the team believes, hey, this is all about winning? What's going to happen if we have a divided team today? Going to lose. Going down. I love it when I play against divided teams. <laughs> I just laugh on the other side of the, uh, the net when I see the team arguing among themselves. Oh, yeah, just how the devil laughs. Probably the most embarrassing thing, the most shameful thing for the work of God is when a church, a local church, has suffered division, disunity. We call them, if you've been in the church world long enough, we call them not banana splits, we call them church splits. It's an indictment to the work of God. It's a shameful thing. Read the epistles. The worst problem that you'll find in the New Testament, if you read the whole New Testament, was not Roman persecution. It wasn't Christians being thrown to the lions or burned at the stake or losing their heads. The worst threat to the church in the New Testament was spiritual disunity. Spiritual disunity. Now, imagine a guy today, um, imagine me out there today saying, Hey! I'm a great volleyball player. I'm mean, a really good. I really get into it. I really don't need you guys. I can spike it, set it up, and I can receive it all by myself. I'm a team of one. Boy, would I love to see that today with somebody because you're going down. You're going down really quick. It's, I don't care how talented, uh, how strong, how tall you are. Uh, today, look at the size of those courts. There is no way, there is no way, there is no way that you can win a game as a solo performance. A team of one is impossible to be a winner. Oh yeah, it is. I better not pick that thing up again. <laughs> there it is. Sure. Do you realize that the Lord has made us, made us very dependent people? Volleyball is a game of dependency. The sharpest teams out there today are those that are the most coordinated together, play as one, support one another. There will be those times that the, there are those to spike it, those to set it up. 
the one that spikes the ball and gets it over the net and scores a point is no better than the one that set the ball up for him or her. The church, the church is not a place for lone rangers. It's not a place for stars. The church is not a place uh, for the independent. We are characterized in our unity as being interdependent. What am I talking about? You need me and I need you desperately. Every time I preach, do you realize that there's a host, a host of people throughout this church even right now ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the youngest to the oldest, we have uh, the, our nursery workers ministering right now. We have our children's ministry team and kids' church ministering right now. Pastor Ben just walked out with a whole slew of middle school young people, our junior hires. He's ministering to them right now on their level. We have ushers working behind this. We have security team watching right now. We have a tech booth up here. If I didn't have them, you'd have a hard time hearing me. Well, maybe not. But <laughs> my point is we need one another. This is not a solo performance. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 that one part of the body cannot say to the other part of the body, I have not need of you. I was with, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago now, uh, the young marriage at the young marriage retreat, or was that one week ago? Uh, I've lost uh, track of time, and we had an awesome, awesome day. I was out in that cold water helping out uh, the young marrieds uh, on the jet skis, and uh, I, I should have stretched out uh, uh, before they asked me to go water skiing, and uh, I went to water skiing for like the first time in like uh, uh, 20 years, and uh, the first pull, the first opportunity to get up, I tore my hamstrings real good. So if I lose today, that's the, that's the reason. That's the whole purpose of that illustration. Now, that's not the purpose. I, I went to the doctor, got it all x-rayed. <laughs> Because, man, at this stage in life, you better be sure that it's uh, not something major. Because uh, uh, my the knee wasn't working either. I have that excuse as well. Uh, <laughs> and I had a bruise. I mean, covering the whole bottom of my leg. He said, you tore your hamstrings. You're bleeding on the inside. Uh, and uh, uh, I never realized, folks, how important to my whole well-being just these little muscles right down here just right down here yeah and you've experienced that before maybe it was your finger your toe or a part of your ear that was hurting isn't it something how when just one member of the body hurts the whole hurts and you find out how important what you thought was minuscule what you thought was minor I mean, I, I had it elevated with ice, and then I'd try heat, and, oh, honey, can, can you please bring me some grapes? <laughs> can, you, can you feed me one grape at a time, honey? Oh, I was, I was milking it for all it's worth. Oh, my. That's really a joke from Pastor Hal. That's, uh, you can blame that one on, on him. Point 
and you'll see it in a moment, each of you is important to make Team Lakeside happen. Number five, God's idea of a great church is one who is faithful to her soul-winning mission. Acts 2.47, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Terry, I need your help right now. Okay? Just throw me the ball. I, I'm just butterfingers. <laughs> Can you imagine team doing that? Oh. <laughs> uh, if I was on the team with a guy like that, thank you, Damien. If I was on a team with a guy like that, I I'd say, hey, buddy, come on, let's get with it. But, Pastor, this is all about having a, this is homecoming Sunday, having a good day, a good time, a fellowship. And I'd, I'd say, no, I'm here to win. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> That team, you know that Steve Addy team? They're going down. They're going, that Frank Iafredi team, they're going down. Yeah, yeah. I'm here to win. Exaggerated example. You know, I'm, no, I'm not going to be crazy competitive, though I had to hold a man back last year and tell him it's just a game. It's just a game. And all this preaching I'm doing, it's just a game. <laughs> But it isn't in the church. It isn't in the kingdom. Do you hear me? Some pastors, some church leaders, some churches are turning church into a playground. And God has called us to a battleground. It's not a time. It's not a time. It's not a time if you're going to be a part of His church, uh, His kingdom plan, His kingdom purposes, to fool around, to play around. When God comes to His house... As Jesus came to the temple, he comes to clean house. And when a holy God shows up, this playing around, fooling around. There are so many gimmicks in the church today. There are so many rock concerts in the church today. It's become an entertainment center. It's become a, a fool around playground center. Whereas God has called us to a battleground. And, and we're naive to forget that. That means spiritual warfare. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. That scripture declares that our weapons are not carnal, they're not man-made, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. Our weapons, praise, prayer, proclaiming this holy word, which is the, the, the sword of the Spirit. Our goals, our objectives are not points. It's not a game. It's all about souls, winning souls, loving souls, restoring souls for the glory of God. Even though I made comments about the LGBT community, I want it known that we love the sinner. We love the fallen. We love those who are, are in disobedience to God's Word. We meet them where they're at, and we lift them up to where they should be. But we don't, we don't uh, abrogate our, our doctrine uh, to meet them where they're at. We preach the Word. We pray them into the kingdom. We restore them lovingly. We do not condemn. We come to save those that Jesus came to save. He came to save the lost. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. How does Team Lakeside work? Last week, last week, we had uh, a, a, a young family 
We had a number of young families that found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior last week, brand new to the church. I was praying with one young family right down here at the altar and found out, discovered that this was the very, very first time they had ever found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It was not a rededication. The first time. Who won them to Jesus? Now, I preached the sermon and I gave the altar call. Who won them to Jesus? They found out about Lakeside on our church website that that dozens of people have poured endless hours into creating. They showed up in our parking lot, were warmly welcomed at the front door, and immediately experienced the love of Lakeside through our greeters, our ushers, our hostesses that gave them information, let them know what was going on. They were ushered into the presence of the Lord by our praise team, our choir, supported by our tech booth. Their children were taken care of in the nursery and then in kids' church and ministered to while they were able to hear the word of the Lord preached from a holy pulpit. They responded to the preaching and gave their hearts to the Lord at an altar. Afterwards, they were again warmly loved by altar workers and elders. They were informed by the info booth and given materials that have been lovingly worked over in our office by our secretaries. My point, I hope you're getting the point. They were shown and demonstrated and informed in how to get more involved and discipled here at Lakeside. Do you see? Who won? Which one won them to Jesus? All of them because we're Team Lakeside. It's not a solo performance. We're dependent upon one another. And our goal, our goal is not to have a bless me club here at Lakeside. I know of some churches, they're not interested in evangelism at all. They're not interested in reaching the lost at all because they got their neat little circle. They got their neat little club and they don't want anybody else joining their club. You know those kind of churches. I've walked in those kind of churches. We walk out and we say, that church not, is not alive, it's... Oh, yeah. Because they're not following the Master's great commission, His greatest commandment, going into all the world, preaching this gospel. That's what the Cuba missions trip is all about. That's what impact is all about that goes out every Wednesday night, bringing furniture and food to the needy, the hurting of this area. That's what our big gives are all about, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also back-to-school supplies or furniture or furnishings that, that are needed. I am so proud of you, Lakeside, my Lakeside family. Some of you write postcards to encourage and to restore and to uplift. Some of you are making prayer phone calls on a daily basis some of you I see always at the funeral home there to minister and to encourage and to uplift and to share your condolences. And if time would permit me, I could go on and on and on how this church reaches out and uplifts, encourages, and shares the good news that there is a Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the answer to the world today. Hallelujah. I appreciate you, Lakeside. Amen. So I ask you, are you faithfully serving on his battleground? Or have you chosen to stay stuck in a playground? I don't know what drives you, but what drives me is the opportunity one day to hear him say, Well done, 
Thou good and faithful servant, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. A great church, write it down, puts love into action by being a caring team of believers. Acts 4.34, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as he had need. Today, it's going to be fun as you hear teams encourage one another. Way to go, Steve. Good spike, Steve. And what a, that's an awesome setup, Steve. Team, team Steve, I mean, has a great captain in Steve Addy. Yeah. You're going to hear some great encouragement today. And that's what we need to hear in the church. What have we discovered here at Lakeside about real love? Real love is far more than sentimental feelings. Real love is more than uh, a pat on the back. It's more than uh, an expression, I'll remember you in prayer, and we never do remember in prayer. Real love is far more than in words because talk is cheap. What have we discovered about real love here at Lakeside? Real love is what you do. That's what Cuba missions trip is all about. You know, there are churches that talk missions all the time and give to missions all the time, but very few that do the stuff. That's why I'm so proud of, of my Lakeside family, Team Lakeside. God bless you. Real love is Jesus in action through you. A few weeks ago, Pastor Ryan took our youth on a missions trip to New York City to work with the original David Wilkerson Teen Challenge, Rock the Block. And I heard that our young men and women, our students, had an awesome, awesome, awesome time. It was life-changing. While Pastor Ryan was away, and our youth pastor, who is also my son-in-law, his wife, my oldest daughter, came to the house, and I, I was dead. I would preached three sermons. It's Sunday afternoon. I was dead, but she was in a panic. Julie said, Dad, I cleaned out his garage for him. I've organized it for him as a gift for when he would come back. And there was some old paint left over from the former homeowner. And I was cleaning up all that paint. And as I was taking one of the cans out to the garbage, it all of a sudden, this aerosol paint can exploded in my hand. I'm running with it to get it out of the garage. And I stumbled, and it went all over our black car. I came out, and I'm just hoping it was just, you know, just a little blob of paint on, on the hood. Folks, it covered the whole vehicle. I mean, it, it, uh, that black uh, Saturn aura looked like a zebra. I, I mean, it, or a leopard with uh, spots. It was, and it was silver primer paint. Uh, I take pride, one of my hobbies is car detailing. And I went to my magic shelf with all the tricks in the book. Shelf there, I mean, and I do. <laughs> and, and I used every gizmo. I got my, I have two power buffers. I got all kinds of compounds. And 
Terry, it wasn't doing. <laughs> it, it was squat. I mean, it wasn't touching it at all. And we're not talking about a few. We're not talking about dozens. Hundreds of spots of paint covered that car. I looked at Julie and I said, we're in a world of hurt. Well, you're in a world of hurt. <laughs> oh, Dad, can you help me? There's nothing that'll melt the heart of a father than his daughter who needs his help. And um, I says, I've got a trick. My, my rubbing compounds wasn't doing it. I've got a trick. I got some universal black paint. And uh, no, I, I didn't paint over. I used the paint to dissolve the spots of silver paint. And as soon as it would dissolve, I would have her follow me up with the rubbing compound. I'd dissolve, she'd rub out, dissolve, rub out, dissolve, rub out. Hundreds of, I mean, we went into the evening. And, and then on top of it, after it all got rubbed out, then I gave it a wax upon all waxes. Pastor Ryan got blessed big time. <laughs> Where are you going, Pastor? Where are you going with that? The church exists, Team Lakeside exists to do more than to bring a meal to a shut-in, to mow somebody's lawn that's in a, in a wheelchair. We do more than that. We are called to also do what? Galatians chapter 6. Look at what Paul says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You have brothers and sisters all around you that are weighed down by their sins, or they have fallen bad into some failure. And I just speak to you right now, if you have fallen really bad recently, if you got some bad stinking skeleton in some closet, I want you to hear this. You have brothers and sisters in this church that will lovingly restore you. You might be covered with spots from head to toe of sin, the stain of sin. But there are those that will keep it in complete trust and confidentiality and be able to restore you gently in the name of Jesus because the army of the Lord here at Lakeside does not shoot its wounded. We are called by God because we know our own frailty to lovingly restore one another in the name of Jesus. That's real love. That's real caring. That's real unity. That's Team Lakeside. Amen? Lastly, this morning, yes, let's give him the praise and glory. I need to hurry on. I need to hurry on. I need to hurry on this morning. I don't mind you. I don't mind you looking at your watch. It's when you put it up to your ear to see if it's still working that I get nervous. Okay, let me close up. A great church is a Holy Spirit-empowered church. Acts 2.39, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Oh, I'm, I, I am always jazzed and amazed by this. Think of it. God has not called stars. God has not called uh, uh, extraordinary people to be on his team. He's called ordinary people like you and I, ordinary Joes, to be filled with extraordinary power. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the power 
of God, the power, the third person of the Holy Trinity, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot, we dare not do God's work without God's power. We can't coast. We can't go on experience. We cannot go on ability. We cannot trust in education. All those things are important. All those things are vital. But we must, we must, we must have a fresh anointing of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why? Why, Team Lakeside? Why is it that yesterday's anointing will not do? Why is it that yesterday's experience with God will not do? Why? It's because the opponent that we have. It's because the opponent that we're not playing against, but we're fighting against. Who's the church's number one opponent? Is it, is, is it, is it Islam? The Muslims? Is it the ACLU? Is it liberalism? The liberals? Huh? Who's our number one opponent? It's the same one that came against the strongest man and defeated him, Samson. It's the same one who came against the, the wisest man, Solomon, and defeated him. It's the same one who possessed a disciple who walked with Jesus for three years. Think of it. This disciple saw the lame walk, the blind see, the dead raised back to life. Yet he betrayed his only Savior. Judas, our opponent, is not some human instrumentality. Our opponent is the mightiest, most powerful, strongest, most experienced, created being, the Bible says, in the entire spiritual and material universe. Our opponent is Satan. Satan. What hope do we have? What hope do we have? We don't have the experience. We don't have the strength. What hope do we have? That's why I stand upon the promise. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Church, church, will you today cry out for a fresh anointing? Would you today cry out for a fresh touch? Would you today cry out for God to do a new thing, a fresh thing, uh, a fresh anointing in your life? Yesterday's experience will not do. Will today you press in? to the presence of the Lord and declare yourself, God, I want to be a part of your team. Right here. Right now. I want to be team Lakeside. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you this morning recognizing that the church is your creation. The church is your idea. The church does not smack of human ingenuity or instrumentality. The church has been birthed by you. Lord, we want to belong to that which you've called us to, to your church, the bride of Christ. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. And I ask you the question of all questions. Do you belong to His church? I'm not talking about membership. I'm not talking about Lakeside Assembly of God membership. Please understand me. Do you belong to His church, the body of Christ, the household of faith? Do you belong in the family of God?
Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? As Christians are interceding and praying right now, do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know that you know you're right with God and you're on your way to heaven, that you have a home in heaven? The church of the redeemed. You might say, well, pastor, I was baptized as a, as a baby into the church. I'm, te- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, a baby does not know how to repent. A baby does not know how to believe. That's not salvation as outlined in the Word of God. Today, right now, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Isn't it about time you said yes? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. None are looking around in this private, sacred moment. I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you would like to be included in this prayer, if you would like to belong to the church of the redeemed, the born again, the blood washed, those that are on their way to heaven, if you would like to know that you know that you know Jesus is your Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you'd like to be a part of this prayer, just lift up your hand right now. Just lift up your hand right now. This prayer, this prayer, this prayer will allow you to become a part of His church. This prayer will give you a home in heaven. Lift it up right now to Jesus. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. I see those hands. God bless you. Yes, up on the balcony. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Your hand lifted up is your sign of faith. It's a demonstration of your faith that you believe that you trust, that you're saying yes to Jesus. God bless you, sir. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. How many more? How many more? Lift it up high that I can see it. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Keep those hands up. Yes, God bless you. I see that new hand. Yes. About 10 hands lifted up for Jesus. Pray this prayer with me right now. Everyone pray this prayer, especially you that have your hands lifted up. I want you to own this. Put your heart into what you're about to say. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. No excuses. Just as I am. I I have sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life I want that life Jesus a new life a changed life thank you Jesus for hearing me for changing me for giving me a home in heaven I thank you Jesus that I am saved In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.